Grab your Bibles with me, if you will. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, you can follow along with our app notes this morning. If you don't have our app, search Triumph Church Texas TX. You can download it. It's free and uh, help you keep in touch with what we're doing and stay on track. Follow along with our sermon notes. Watch videos online. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, be a part there. You know, I'm very excited. Easter's coming in, in just a couple of weeks here, two Sundays from now. And I don't know about you, but I think that's kind of a big day. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of the day that Jesus changed everything. You see, if Jesus had died on the cross and never been raised from the dead, we wouldn't be here right now. But because he came back to life on the third day and is in heaven now, uh, man, listen, it changed everything for you and I. And so I, I, I want you to, to get ready um, uh, for Easter. I want to make, make sure that you have plans to be here and plans to bring someone. Uh, I'm going to tell a story, and I'm going to tell a story on my daughter. And, and, I'm, and I'm, listen, she's going to be so mad if she hears I told this story. So if she comes back to me and says, you were, I was talking about her, I'm coming for you. So she's uh, in, in, in youth now, which is mind-boggling to me. I, I, I cannot realize how old I have gotten. <laughs> I'm way old, I know. Um, so she's, she's on the youth leadership team, and they were really challenging their leaders to invite a friend to Wednesday night service. So we're driving along one day. And uh, we're heading to softball practice, and we had just picked up one of her friends, and her friend is sitting in the back seat. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, we're talking about softball and practice and the tournament, and Kennedy says, Dad, I can do the thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, Dad, I can do, you know, the deal I've got to do. Ray. And I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. She's talking about the little girl in the back seat. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, I can, I can say the thing to her. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, okay, but I don't know how to do it. I said, again, you're going to have to give me some context here. And she says, Dad, you know the deal about bringing a friend to church? I said, oh, you mean you want to invite her to church with you? She said, yes, but I don't know how. And I said, it's very simple. It goes like this. Hey, Ray, would you like to go to church with Kennedy on Wednesday night? Ray says, absolutely, I'd love to go, and ends up going with her on Wednesday night. Here's my point. Don't overcomplicate the thing, Kennedy. It's not that hard. Many Americans want to go to church on Easter Sunday. Something inside of them says, if I don't go any other day of the year, I need to go on Easter Sunday. Just be the one to ask them. Just be the one to ask them and, and invite them to lunch after service. You never know who might show up, get here, and you'll be all surprised. I didn't realize it was so easy. You can do it. Reach out. And invite someone. And I'm praying over the next two weeks, God's really going to put specific people on your heart and in your path. Some you're going to have in your mind and you're going to be creating uh, 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 strategies about how to invite them. Other ones, God's just going to drop in your path and suddenly you're going to know and you're going to remember this moment right here. And you're going to be like, okay, this is the moment I'm supposed to invite them to church. And the question is, will you? But I believe you will. Elbow your neighbor and say, you're going to do it. Whoa, come on now. I know. I know it's early. Listen, I am not a morning person, so I, I, I get it. Elbow the other neighbor and say, come on, man, you can do this thing. That was a little better. You guys are going to have to wake up today. 
You're going to have to wake up today. Uh, I want to take a moment and welcome all of our guests. If you're a guest at Triumph today, thank you so much for being with us. It's our privilege and honor to have you join us today, seek God, and I pray that you have a great time. My name is Randon. My wife, Lindsay, and I are the lead pastors here at Triumph Beaumont, as well as Triumph Nederland, and we are so glad that you're here. In the seat back pocket in front of you, you'll find a guest card that looks just like this. You can grab one of those, read it, take it home with you. The only thing I ask is that on the third portion, it says connection card right here. If you would fill that out and drop it in the offering plate later in the service, I would greatly appreciate that. Triumph, why don't we welcome all of our guests this morning? After my sermon today, I'll be slipping out and headed to our Nederland campus. We begin service there about 11 o'clock, or not about, at 11 o'clock. And uh, so I'll be headed there, but service isn't done here. Our host is coming to uh, share some ins- really exciting news with you and some important things. Um, so don't leave. Uh, I also want to take a moment to welcome those watching online. Uh, we have people gathered from all around the country in the world. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for being a part of Triumph. I, I pray that you experience God today, that you-, you feel Him and you're challenged by the Word of God today. Triumph, why don't we take a moment and welcome our family that is watching online. All right, all right. Uh, I asked you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Two weeks ago, I spoke to you about the blessing of Psalm chapter 1. Speaking of, how many of you enjoyed Pastor Damon last week? Man, I told you that guy could preach. I told you when I grow up, I want to be just like him. Uh, He didn't appreciate that too much, apparently. Um, and, and next week, uh, Bishop will be with us. Bishop Clark will be with us. So we're really looking forward to that. But two weeks ago, I spoke to you on the blessings of Psalm chapter one. And, and it's this whole blessing that comes to people who read the word of God, who meditate on the word of God and who be, who obey all of the word and the commands of God. And man, we're all good with this. We're all good about the blessings. We love the blessings. And a lot of the commands we're good with. I mean, when you say, you know, uh, don't murder your neighbor, most of the time we're good with that. When you, when you talk about, you know, uh, some, of the, some of the big sins, you're like, okay, that's not a problem. But when you start looking at all the commands of God, then it gets a little bit difficult. And so we want the blessing part. And listen, do you understand that the kingdom of God is set up in great degree on a reward system? There is a reward system in the kingdom of God. Uh, and, And so this is a good thing. I want you to experience the rewards of God. I also want you to follow the commands of God so that you can receive the rewards that we talked about in Psalm chapter 1. And here's one of them in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're there, say amen. Okay, let me get there. Hold on. Okay, I'm ready now. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Let me ask you this question. Have you been evaluating the people around you through the lens of humanity or from the lens that God looks through? At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Stop looking at people through a human viewpoint, but look at them the way God sees them. 
Look, look at people that God wants to save and he wants to heal and he set, wants to set free and he has compassion on them and he has a passion to reach them. Look, look at people that don't look at them about what they used to be or what they used to have done, but look at them because now a new life has begun. I'm so excited because on Easter Sunday, we're going to be having, at the end of the sermon, we're going to be having water baptisms. And I believe that we're going to be baptizing dozens and dozens of people in all of our campuses. If you want to be water baptized, sign up today. Uh, if you're still thinking about it, that's okay. We'll have everything you need here Easter Sunday morning. But if you already know, I want to be water baptized again. You say, well, uh, Pastor Ryan, I was baptized when I was 16. Uh, how many times do I need to be baptized? Well, the simple answer is as many as it takes. If it didn't take, let's do it again, right? It's okay. I promise you, you wouldn't be the only one getting dunked a fourth time. But I believe this is going to be the one that makes all the difference in the world. Verse 18, and all this is a gift from God. Say a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. He has given us a task, and here it is, of reconciling people to him. You have a job to do. Coming into this kingdom is not just about receiving. We did receive a gift of God. But once we receive the gift of God, now he says, you have a job to do. Reconcile people to me. It's getting quiet again in here. That's okay. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. And God is making his appeal through you. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we can be made right with God through Christ. We have a job to do. Through the years, we've, uh, we sing a lot of songs, and I think we genuinely mean them for the most part when we're singing them. Uh, and so bear with me. But... Maybe you've heard some of these songs. If you could use anything, Lord, you could use me. How many remember that song? If you could use anything, Lord, you could use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you could use anything, Lord, you could use me. Then a few years, a few years ago, was that all right? Thank you. Thank you. I was like, bam. Nailed it. Nailed it. Let me, see if, let me see if I can change keys here. Well, a few years ago, uh, William McDowell wrote an, um, an amazing song. Uh, I give myself away. I didn't change keys. That's okay. <laughs> I give myself away so you can use me. How many remember that song? I give myself away 
and we sing this and we're so, we're so genuine about it. And, and we really believe, God, God, use me and, and use my hands and my feet and speak through me. And, and, and I want to be used if you can use anything, God. And when we're worshiping in the altars and with our hands lifted up, we mean it. When we're gathered together with hundreds of believers in the sanctuary and in the safety of these four walls, we mean if you can use anything, Lord, really, please use me. When it fits into our plans, we sing, use me, God. When, when, when it doesn't force us outside of our comfort zone, we say, I give myself away. When it, when it comes to maybe praying for someone, if we remember, we say, God, I'm willing to be used by you. But when the Bible says to you that God has given you a specific task of reconciling the world to him, of preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, do we still mean it? Christ's ambassadors and we have a job to do and and God is serious about it he's not just playing games with you and I but he's very serious let me ask you this question have you ever been working on a project at work maybe when you were in school working as a group maybe you were playing on a team of some kind and and everyone has to do their part and you have the hardest job, and you're working long, hard hours, you're putting in the extra work, you're sacrificing time away from your family, and you've done everything you were supposed to do. But the person with the easiest job on the team isn't doing their part, and you're sitting there going, all you had to do was this, and you wouldn't even do it. Do you know the frustration that comes? I wonder sometimes... If God isn't looking down on us and saying, I already did the hard part. I already sent my son Jesus. He already died on the cross. I already raised him from the grave. All you have to do is speak up. That's all you have to do. I wonder if if God gets frustrated with us. And I wonder if our mouths are singing one set of words. If you could use anything, Lord, you could use me. But our hearts are really saying something else. Something like this. If you can use anything, Lord, do you have to use me? Here's a better one for you. If you can use anything, Lord, use Pastor Lindsay. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Don't speak through me. Speak to me. If you can use anything, Lord, do you have to use me? I wonder if that's what we sing. Or or maybe we sing it like this. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can bless me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can fill me. It's not bad to want to be blessed by God. I want you to be blessed by God. It's not bad to be want to be filled by God. I want you to be filled by God. But we have a task and we have a job. And God is serious about it. And he's calling you. And he said, I have given you this task of reconciling men back to me. Many have prayed this prayer, but not all have answered the call. I, I want to give you three responses to this challenge from God, three responses to the call of God. The first one is this, and it comes from Jonah. 
Because Jonah said this, here I am, God, I'm not going. Here I am, I'm not going. Here's what, here's what he said in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, reading in the Message Bible. One day long ago, God's word came to Jonah. And here's what he said. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. But Jonah got up, and he went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa, and he found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare and went on board, joining those going to Tarshish as far away from God as he could get. Here I am, God. Wait, don't use me. (laughs) I'm not going. When I think about this verse, um, I'm fascinated by it. When I, put, the, put the first verse up there for me again, Ed, if you would, uh, next part. We're going to the big city, preach to them, they're in a bad way. You know, so often I, I hear, Pastor, our country is going to hell in a handbasket, and, and the, the depravity is getting greater, and the sin is getting greater, and there's all these problems in the world. And you know, the next question is, where is God? Where is God in all of this? Where is God? Why is God allowing this to happen? And you know what? When I read these words, I was challenged in my spirit as if God was saying, I know you're in a bad way and I'm trying not to ignore it, but I keep talking to Jonas who are prophets, who are strong men and strong women and who, are, who can prophesy with the best of them inside the four walls of Israel. But when you send them to Nineveh, they get quiet and they shut their mouth and they quit preaching. They're in a bad way, and we're saying, God, where are you? And he's saying, I'm trying to send you. But you're saying, I won't go. You see, the fact of the matter is, Jonah was the one to turn Nineveh around for God. But he didn't go. God had to get his attention in the belly of a whale. And I wonder, how many Jonas are gathered on Sunday morning across this country and God is begging you. The country is in a bad way. Your city is in a bad way. Your families are in a bad way. I can't ignore it anymore, so you go preach the good news to them. And yet Jonas will walk out saying, not me, not today. Are you all right this morning? one thing to be strong and brave when everyone has their hands lifted it's another it's one thing to be bold and strong while you're prophesying in the safety of the church complaining about our country griping about politics disgruntled with the state of the church and what color they painted the bathroom this month and all the while god is trying to send you out to be the solution stop running for safety jonah and be the solution don't say to god Thanks for the salvation. Thanks for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Thanks for blessing me. But I'm not going. Don't be Jonah. The second response is this, and we get it from Moses. Moses says, here I am. Send someone else. But Moses didn't necessarily run. He didn't say he wouldn't go. He just said, I need you to send someone else. 
We pick up in Exodus chapter 3. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I also have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, and I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. After several excuses, excuses Moses says in verse, chapter 4, verse 13, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. You were the guy for the job, Moses. And Moses says, please send someone else. The New Living says it like this. Uh, oh, Lord, please send anyone else. Anyone will do except for me. I mean, the, 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 anybody will do. And I wonder if we say the same thing. God, here I am. But will you send someone else? I'm, I'm a little afraid. I'm a little worried. I, I, don't, I don't, as Moses said, I don't talk very well. I don't speak very good. I, I, I have a stutter, and I, I don't know what to do. And yet God says, I'm, you're the guy for the job, Moses. You're the guy for the job. I, I put you in the right place. I gave you the tools that you need. I set you in place. You are the guy for the job. And let me challenge you in your spirit today. Don't allow the enemy to convince you that you're not the guy for the job, that you're not the woman for the job. You are the one for the job. God's not trying to set you up to fail. He wants you to win. And so he's put you in positions and given you the things you need. Pastor Damon said last week, you have everything you need. You do. It's in your hand, Moses. Go and preach. Go and do what you're supposed to do. Don't say, God, here I am, but will you send someone else? The third response is this. Are you okay? All right. The third response is from Isaiah. It's, it's chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Um, and we, we, we get his response in verse 8, but we'll back up. Verse 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. What powerful words from Isaiah. Finally, God had someone willing to go. Finally, God had someone willing to say, Here I am. Send me. If you want to make an appeal through me, God, I will be the one to go. If you want to speak for, you want me to speak for you to say, Come back to God, I will be the one to speak it. I will be the person. My question is, why was Isaiah willing to say, Send me, when others said, Send someone else, anyone else? Or no, I won't go. Three reasons I, Isaiah was willing to say yes. Number one, we find it in verse one. It was in the year that King Uzziah, Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. The first reason that Isaiah was willing to say yes was because he had a genuine experience with the presence of God. He, he, he was he was caught up and he has this moment in the presence of God and he goes on to describe it but but he sees the Lord high and lifted up on this throne and and he says that the train of his robe filled the temple and he, and he got caught up in this moment as angels were bowing down and worshiping God and it was it was an incredible worship service and God was moving and on the train of his robe uh, when, when they had a king that had conquered many kingdoms and won many battles they would put on his robe the story of each victory and so when he said the train of his robe filled the temple 
It is with the picture that God had won so many victories and so many battles that it was filling up the room in which Isaiah was. And suddenly he got this overwhelming presence of God and it changed his life. And it led him to the second thing. First, he had an experience with the presence of God. Secondly, he had a genuine awareness of his own sinfulness. Watch what he says in verse 5. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed. For I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. You see, in the Old Testament, you weren't supposed to see God like this it, it, because we all have sin. And he said, when I saw how good God was, it made me realize how sinful I was. And he got a look into his own heart and he said, my God, I'm a sinful man. My lips are filthy and I, I live among people with filthy lips. I'm going to die now. He was able to say yes because he got into the presence of God. And when he saw the goodness of God, he saw how good he was not. But, but, but God didn't leave him there. Because the third one is this. We read in verse 6 and 7, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with the burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my whip lips with it. And he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. You see, first, he, he got an awareness of his own sinfulness. But shortly behind that, God didn't leave him there. He had a genuine understanding of God's grace. And in that moment, he realized, my sin disqualified me. But the grace of God covered me he took all of my guilt away and he forgave me of my sins Isaiah didn't spend a long time saying Lord forgive me I'm horrible and listing 87 sins he just said my God I'm a sinner and God said no worries and he sent an angel down and touched him and cleansed him and set him free and he got a new understanding of the grace of God something he didn't deserve and he couldn't earn and it's in the very next verse that God says, who will we send? And with this in mind, being in the presence of God, understanding his own sinfulness and recognizing, understanding the grace of God that he says, here I am, send me. I wonder if that had happened today, if Isaiah would have sung some words much like this. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You, you thought, thought I was worth keeping. Yes, you did. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die Your life. 
right here. Everyone you know. Can be free, so I can be whole, and I can tell everyone I know. Hallelujah. Come on, sing it with me. of Isaiah my God I'm in the presence of the king I shouldn't be here but yet he visited me and then I realized how bad I am and how sinful I am but he didn't leave me there he saved me and he picked me up and he cleaned me and he and, 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 he, and, he, and he healed me and he set me free and he delivered me and he, he did all these wonderful things for me so now I can tell everyone I know you know what? Here's what Jesus thought about you. He thought you were worth saving. He thought you were to die for. That's what he thought about you. Before you said yes to him, he had already thought that about you. It's our natural response. And at least it should be to say, God, for all that you've done for me, is this my task? You want me to step outside of my comfort zone? You want to talk to somebody about Jesus? You want me to share my story? You want me to tell them what you've done for me? I'll tell everyone I know. Be seated really quickly. I'm almost done. God's chosen method is people. God's chosen method was to use you. He said, we are Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal through us. He was talking to me and he was talking to you. We speak for Christ. You know that most every soul in heaven has human fingerprints all over it because God uses people. There was an Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 and he was on the side of the road and he was trying to understand scripture and he was reading the book of Isaiah and it was very confusing to him but God sent him Philip and Philip preached to him the good news and told him about Jesus and the Ethiopian said my God this is what I've been looking for can you baptize me right now can I be saved right now and he was saved and baptized right there on the side of the road but Philip didn't stay there he left and he went on preaching the good news because there's no extent that God would not go to to reach a soul, to save a soul. You may find yourself in odd places like Philip did. And, and instead of asking, why am I here? 
ask the question, for whom am I here? You see, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And so if you are following God and he has led you in front of people, stop asking yourself, God, what in the world am I doing here? And start saying, Lord, for whom do you have me here? Change your vocabulary and change your question. You see, I believe in the divine providence of God. That there are no accidents when you're serving Him. There are no accidents when you're following the ways of God. There are no accidents in the kingdom of God. But He is working things out. You never know who God may want you to appeal to. The book of John tells us that Andrew was the first of the brothers to hear about Jesus. And he grabbed his brother, Simon. And he said, you've got to come here and meet this guy, Jesus. And so he met him right there on the side of the seashore. And when Jesus saw this man, he said, they've called you Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. Later on, he would say, your name is Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Later on, Peter would stand up in front of thousands in Acts chapter 2, and he would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the church would be born as the poor outpouring of the Holy Spirit was sent out uh, upon thousands of people that day. Andrew, his brother, fades into history. We don't know that much about him. We know that he was martyred, that he was crucified, but we don't know tons about him. But we do know about Peter. What's the point? You never know when the one you are sharing Jesus with could be the next Peter, could be the next Paul, could be the next uh, Billy Graham. You don't know. You don't know. Only eternity will show the true impact of Andrew. How did you get to Jesus? Here's the question for you. How did you get to Jesus? Because almost every time there was a person involved. Someone invited you to church. Someone invited you to a life team. Someone told you this. Someone asked you that. Someone prayed with you at work. Someone came to the hospital and visited you. Almost every time when you gave your life to Jesus, when you, when you accepted Christ, when you received a miracle that you had been praying for, when your, when your marriage was saved, almost every single time it involves a person. Why? Because God uses people. And he wants to use you. He used someone to reach you. And he wants you to use you to reach others. I want to play this short testimony video. And I want to share you a real story that happened right here at our, at our Nederland campus. And I want to share it with you guys. If you're ready, let's go to the screens. Oh, we're the Allisons, Mike and Tracy. I grew up Catholic and Mike grew up Pentecostal. And we knew that we needed to get into a church. We watched how David and Terry Godier conducted themselves in their lives, family, and business. Our daughters took dance together at Terry's Dance Studio, and eventually they asked us to visit Triumph Church one Sunday, so we did. Then Terry called us a few days later and asked how we liked it. We visited again and met the Ellenders and just became an instant family. Now the Bible tells us that God will never put anything on you that you can't handle. Even before we knew we needed a miracle, God was sending the right people to us to get us through the biggest test of our lives. When we first started attending Triumph, our daughter Macy had several major seizures that the doctors couldn't stop. She was flown to Houston where she was put in ICU on life support. I'll never forget the last hour we had with Macy as we put her on life support and only had 72 hours. And the last hour, 
They were coming to let us know, hey, we're fixing to turn the machines off. You've got an hour to change your mind. Tracy and I went to the chapel and prayed for God's will. We were suddenly called back to her room, and of course we expected the worst. When we walked in, we saw her sitting up in the bed, trying to pull the tubes out of her mouth. This child had died, and God decided to allow her to come back to us and be a teacher to show us God's glory and greatness. Later, at a revival service, Macy started moving her legs on her own. She had never moved them before without picking them up with her own hands. Now, she could move her legs. And recently, God has healed Macy's blindness. The doctors told us she couldn't see, so once she was blind, but now she can see. Macy is our miracle. We thank God for the people who sent to help us from Triumph Church. They became part of our miracle. So here's a question for you. Who will you invite this Easter to Triumph Church? God's ready for you to be part of someone's miracle. God wants to do a miracle in someone's life. He wants to save a marriage. He wants to heal someone from cancer. He wants to save their soul. And he wants to use you. I want to read one more verse of scripture with you and then we're going to close. From Daniel chapter 12, this is talking about the end of times. Verse 1. At that time, Michael, the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. It's going to be a glorious day if your name is in the book. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. There's going to be a line drawn. Some will go to heaven. And some will go to hell. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. I want to challenge you. Shine like the stars forever. Lead many to righteousness. And it all begins with this question. Do you believe in hell? Do you believe that there is a place of shame and disgrace and suffering beyond imagination that the Bible talks about time and time again? And do you believe that if someone does not know Jesus, they will go there for eternity? This question has two parts. Number one, if you believe that, you've got to ask this, this question today. Which side of the line will I be on? Will I be in the book? Or will my name be left out? And the second part of that question is, if I really believe in hell, would I be willing to allow those around me to go there while I have the solution. Would you close your eyes and bow your head with me for just a moment, if you're watching online. There's people in this room, and you realize right now that your name is not in the book. You've been away from God. You haven't been living for Him. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
you can get it right today. All we're going to do is say a prayer, and you can start fresh with Jesus today. If you want to join me, if you want a fresh start, if you want to get your name in that book, would you just slip up your hand really quickly? Yeah, there are hands going up all over. If you're watching at home, raise your hand. I know I can't see you, but God does, and it's a sign to him. All right, you can put your hands down. I want everyone in the room to pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to save me, to set me free, to heal me, to give me new life. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you. I want my name in that book. And I want to live for you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Clap your hands and rejoice in the Lord this morning. Now, the the second part of that question is, would you allow your friends and your family and your co-workers to go to a place that you don't want to go to yourself? If not, my challenge to you is, straight from the Word of God, accomplish the task that God has given us of reconciling men to Christ. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know Scripture backwards and forwards. Just tell them what God has done for you. And if you're not even willing to do that, just invite them to church this Easter Sunday. But whatever you do, don't come alone. Be a part of someone's miracle this Sunday.